Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Tristan. And this is X-Files on the Grid, an X-Files rewatch podcast where we go through every episode of the X-Files and rate each episode individually using a unique grid rating system. If you'd like more information on our rating system, be sure to check out grittyfilms.com slash the grid. And that's going to be gritty films spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y films.com. All right, so today's episode is going to be season one, episode five, The Jersey Devil. Um, is there anything just right off the bat you wanted to say about this episode before we hop into the grid? I remember this episode. I've seen all of the season one episodes probably five, six, seven times each at least. Me too, yeah. I remember this one, but I didn't remember very many details. And I thought better of it than I expected to. That's pretty much my, my experience as well. All right. So the first category in the grid is going to be writing. And there are five subcategories within this category. Um, and the first subcategory is going to be mythology and character development. Um, is there anything before I go on one of my famous rants that you wanted to say within this category to get us started? Well, it's a Monster of the Week episode. And those tend to be fairly self-contained. But it did, I think, add a bit to uh, the characters, especially Scully. Yeah. You see her outside of the X-Files. You see her interacting with her sister. Um, it's some it's kind of her sister. I don't know who that person is. Oh. A close friend, apparently, because she's a godparent to the kid that we never hear about oh, again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not her sister. But yeah, yeah. we see her. I guess she has friends. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and she's... Like, interacting with all these little boys running around. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of neat to see her outside of that, and it adds a bit. Yeah. Which I'm sure you'll talk about. I will, because I did really like that. Because, um, like, I remember when I was younger, and I, I mentioned this a little bit in, um, I think it was the last episode we did as well, um, but, like, whenever we see glimpses, or no, it was Squeeze, sorry, um, but, like, we see glimpses of her personal life throughout the first season, and it seems so, like, out of character, like, once you've seen more episodes. And it seems right. like, oh, like, it was season one. They just didn't, they didn't have it figured out yet. They didn't know she was a loner. And then the older <laughs> I get, I'm like, no, no. Like, she had a life before the X-Files. And, like, slowly it gets chipped away, which is kind of sad. Like, it, I don't know if that makes her a tragic character. Or maybe it's just her life choices. And that's, it's not, I don't know. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get more into that as the series progresses, of course, because we're, we're trying not to do spoilers for future episodes. Um, but in general, she definitely, I don't think it's too spoilery to say that she gets very sucked into the X-Files and very much so. Uh, she even makes a comment of like, oh, Mulder's a jerk. And she's like, well, no, he's not a jerk. He's just very involved in his work. And throughout the course of the series, yeah. like she's right there with him. So I, so I did really like, um, even though it almost seems out of character when you know her more, it's like, well, no, this is her character before she gets sucked into the X-Files. Like, she she had really good friends and was, like, a godson, or had a godson that probably barely even knows who she is now because yeah. she, like, doesn't hang out with her friends anymore. And and she goes out on dates. And, and even within, uh, I talked about it a little bit in Squeeze as well, where there's, like, a moment where she kind of chooses Mulder over other options. And I feel like that was the professional version of that. And then you see, like, the personal version of that where, you know, she yeah. has the opportunity to go out on a second date. And she's it, it was so boring for her. Like, she's, she would much rather go with Mulder to go talk to the whoever it was, the museum curator or something. Yeah, the Smithsonian guy. Yeah, like she would rather go do that because it's more interesting. Like you can see that, yeah, no that one, turn. No one compares to Mulder. Right? I guess that's the moral of the story. Um, so I really liked that. Um, even though we're kind of getting to a point within, I mean, this is only the fifth episode, but it's kind of like, okay, we're kind of, but this is pretty well under control. Like we know who these characters are pretty well already. Um, so it's verging on redundant, but I did like that it was like an emphasis on her personal life as opposed to her professional, like a squeeze was yeah. very much so about her professional choices. And this starts to verge on to her personal choices um, and was a lot more subtle than in squeeze, which was nice. Um, so mostly that was what I liked, but we do see, um, you know, we see Mulder become just completely engrossed in his work and, you know, yeah. to the point where he's just like not even really on official business, but he's, you know, camping out in homeless encampments and, yeah. and, you know, doing whatever. Cause it's, it's his, his journey and hit, like he wants to find the answers, you know, he needs, the truth is out there. He wants to believe all that good stuff. Like he 
get so engrossed in that. So we, we see hints of that as well. Um, but definitely I liked mo- much more of the, the Scully centric stuff that was happening in this episode. I just think is, is interesting, especially in a, in a more of a retrospective point of view. Yeah, definitely. So sorry. I knew I'd go on a bit of a rant, but I did really like that. In yeah. This episode. <laughs> I, I figured you would say everything I was going to say and more. So oh, that's why I let you go first. <laughs> I always hog the conversation. I don't mean to. And yet you do. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, was there anything else? I think my rant is over. Is there anything else you want to add about uh, mythology and character development for this episode? Um, Mythology and character development. No. All right. Um, So my total, I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, I was going to give it an 8.5, but um, just some of the the lacking as far as Mulder's development. Although we do get, I meant to mention this, we do get the, uh, his obsession with porn is first introduced. Yeah. Scully just kind of rolls with it. Yeah. And, and (laughs) here I go. I thought I was done with rants. I think it's, (laughs) I mean, I know it's like a joke in later episodes and it's like, oh, Mulder and his porn. And it's like an ongoing joke. But I think there's actually like a seed of something really important about his character there that like, like Scully in this episode is is going out like she's she's yeah. at this birthday party she's with her friend she decides to to go on a date and the, literally the first guy she sees it's like all right tomorrow night let's go like yep. you know like she's making these decisions to try and have these relationships whereas Mulder I think is is much more about um you know he he knows he's going to keep his distance from everyone in his life and he's he's resigned himself to that fact and I think that that's where that obsession comes from it's like well I'll, I'll indulge this way instead of with, with actual right. relationships. Um, so I think that that's kind of implied throughout this episode, but, which I think is, is, I mean, even though I know that it's like a running joke, like I think there's, there's a seed of something important oh, about yeah. his character there. Yeah. He's, he doesn't have a life outside of the X-Files. He's basically a loser outside of work. I, I don't even think he's a loser outside of work. I think he's nothing outside of work. Yeah. There, there is no Molder outside yeah, of the X-Files. More <laughs> accurate way of saying it. Yeah. So you know what? I'm gonna bump it back up. I forgot about the because I, I knocked it down from an 8.5 to a 7.5 because I didn't think there was enough Mulder stuff in there. But I, I like I like what I just said, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna split the difference and call it an eight out of ten. Actually, I gave it a seven out of ten for those okay. same reasons. We saw Scully outside of work, and that was good. And then we saw Mulder doesn't have anything outside of work. <laughs> right. I wanted to ask too. Within um, this, kind of goes into into plot a little bit, but I think it's a little bit more focused on character. So I'll ask it here. Um, I do think there's a really interesting moment at the end of this episode where you know Mulder is basically attacked by this this woman, this feral woman, beast and woman. the beast woman, and she he has such a look of of awe and um, I guess just awe. I guess that's the best yeah. word I can come up with, and I'm curious to know what you think is is going through his head in that moment like do you think it's um a continuation of like his, his obsession with pornography and, and here's this beautiful naked woman and it's and it's purely lust <laughs> no i'm serious though like do, is is it more that he's just being being a lustful guy or is it more like is it is the excitement more so from like here's the thing this thing that i believed in that nobody else did and I like I don't care if I can't prove it to anyone else. I have the proof I need, and this is like a an important moment for him. I think it's that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Just like if he saw an alien or something, you know, his, his jaw would drop. I guess. Right. Yeah. It's very or, or much a ghost so. or something like that. Yeah, it's very much so a, a similar kind of reaction to when he sees the the UFO on the catwalk in in Deep Throat. Um, I mean, I don't, yeah. I think we see his facial expression. Maybe I'm just imagining what I think his face would look like, but I think we see his face when he looks up at it and it's a similar look of awe. Um, I don't know, but I thought that was interesting too, just as far as, as his character that like, he is very lustful and he has this, this aspect to his personality that he, he openly will look at porn at work. But, <laughs> but then in that moment, like, I don't think it was, it was lust. I think it yeah, was, I, it was something deeper, which I, which I think is really interesting that, cause they could have easily, um, gone the other direction with it and just had him be, you know, have it be some sort of joke about, I don't know. And I even I think, guess, cause, he, cause he even yeah. said like when Scully finds him, he says like, Oh, like she was here and she was beautiful. And I don't think he means that of like, oh my God, she was hot. Like, I think it's like, like I saw proof of what I believe in and that was beautiful. Like, it's more the idea of her and the, 
the yeah. the proof, I guess. I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting character moment that that could be taken in more of a, a pervy direction potentially. But I think it's actually um, a really poignant moment, and especially for a monster of the week type episode that that doesn't have you know more myth arc moments. Yeah. I don't know. I I just thought that was interesting. So I thought I'd see what you thought about that. All right. uh, So you said you gave it a a 7 out of 10? Yep. All right. Um, So then that's going to bring us right along to the second subcategory, which is plot structure and pace. Um, And this one I actually don't really have much to say about. Um, Like, I thought it was well-paced. It was fine. Um, No plot holes. I don't know. It was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like this one. Um, One thing I really liked about it is towards the end when they have like both teams of people are chasing down this beast woman. Yeah. And they both like have different goals and different ways of going about it. And so I thought that was a neat way to add a lot of tension and, and uh, action without having, uh, I don't know. I just thought it was a good way of adding a lot of action and tension and kind of heightening the stakes without having the beast woman attack someone or or something like that turning it into a fight that's true yeah all right and it was sort of Mulder and the his his cast of believers versus the uh sort of the 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 government people who just wanted to cover it up and get it over with as soon as possible yeah it almost reminded me a lot of the things within the plot um reminded me very much so of of jaws it was like Jaws meets the Jungle Book, where like instead of not wanting to close the the beach because of a shark, it's like just pretending like this doesn't exist so you don't affect tourism to Atlantic City. I don't know. Right. It just it just had similarities um, that I thought was interesting. What did you think about the uh, opening the episode with a flashback from like the forties? Huh. Uh, I guess I didn't think about that. <laughs> so I was like overly thinking about it to the point that it became distracting. Um, cause this must be then the second generation, if not the third, if that was sure. like the late forties I mean, with the opening scene. People living in, in the wild are probably having kids in their late teens. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess shouldn't I didn't there really be, shouldn't there that. be some more birth defects? It's gotta be a pretty small gene pool. I would think maybe not though. It, it just seemed like there were a lot of unanswered questions or maybe there's a, a much bigger population than we saw. Yeah. Maybe this was just one family. Um, but I didn't really think that was implied throughout the plot. Um, I don't know. It just seemed, it seemed odd to me. Like I, I do love a good, you know, creepiness in the forties and fifties. There's just yeah. something, something that really works about that. Um, but I didn't really feel like it tied into this episode. I didn't think it was, was addressed enough. Yeah, I don't know, I that, guess, that was really my only issue with this episode. I guess they could have done without it, and I don't think that would have changed very much, except that shows that it's not just, it's not a new thing. This is an old thing. But that just so opens it, up it, more it, questions. It could be like, a, like some other type of hominid, rather than just like someone who got dumped off in the wilderness when they were a child. Yeah. I guess that's a question too, then. Do you think these are... This isn't really about plot or genre or characters or any of that. Um, I lost my train of thought. Um, do you, are you asking if they're some other type of hominid? Oh yeah, like, do you think this is this is a step in evolution, or or are they just feral people? Just feral people. That's what I think too, and that it and doesn't. I thought that's what the the coroner's report, the coroner's report, or well, that, yeah, that's Scully what yeah about. Scully said. There was no there was no evidence of like Neanderthal DNA. Uh, or something to that effect. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it can't be something non, I don't know, Neanderthal. Right. But I don't think, like, that really seemed to be what Mulder believed, that it was some sort of, of yeah. evolutionary jump or something. Um, but it didn't really, I don't know why he was so intent on that, because, like, feral people, like, that's, he even says it in the episode, like, that's yeah. a thing, it happens way more often than people realize, especially back in the day, maybe not as much these days. Um, but even there are still modern stories of oh, yeah. of children who grow up unsocialized and, and are feral children. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's perfectly within the realm of, of possible. I mean, living undetected for several generations in the forest outside of Atlantic City, like they mentioned in the episode, not quite as believable, but... What did he... How did he word it? It's not... 
outside the realm of extreme possibility. Exactly. <laughs> and Mulder's like, that's that's proof. Yep. <laughs> that means it's real. That's all I needed to hear. One hundred percent proven true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was kind of neat that they had that that expert guy. Yeah. It's always fun to have like little side characters who do the exposition, I guess. Yeah. I liked that he like totally stuck up for Mulder in the end. Like the the police come in. Yeah. He barely well maybe he does know Mulder and we just that wasn't fully established. Maybe they were like professional acquaintances before this episode. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, the, the cop is like, like, do you know Mulder? Where is he? And he's like, Mulder who? I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just randomly here by myself. Like, yeah. I loved that. <laughs> he he kind of seemed like someone who was a hippie back in the day and still had, oh, yeah. still had some of that hippie anti-authoritarian. Yeah. I thought it was a neat character. They, they yeah. added a lot for how little he was there. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, was there anything um, else that you wanted to add for plot structure slash pace? Nope. All right. What was your score for that subcategory? Seven out of ten. All right. I gave it a six out of ten. Um, so that brings us to the next subcategory, which is going to be outer goals versus emotional needs. Um, and this one, I feel like I, I kind of covered it a little bit within the character development as far as as my feelings on this go. Um, but I definitely like that we see, you know, Scully's outer goal at this point is to to maintain a balance between work and and her personal <laughs> life. And yeah. poor naive Scully. Yeah, and and Mulder's outer goal is is strictly work. Like let's let's get to yeah. the bottom of this case. Let's find out more. Let's let's. Talk to everyone we can. Right. Even when it's not his case, he's just going to go there and spend the weekend there. Exactly. Yeah. This wasn't even like, he wasn't even there on official FBI business. He was just like, sure, I'll come hang out. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so I liked the their outer goals. I think their their emotional needs um, weren't, weren't, weren't explored as thoroughly as they could have been, but I think it was sufficient. I mean, it really just... Scully's emotional need was to have human connections and to, you right. know, not become consumed with work, which is pretty much the same as her outer goal. But but I thought it worked well enough. And and Mulder's emotional need, I think, is to to find proof to be have his opinions or his beliefs validated, which which yeah. he does by the end. He he sees the feral human, the beast woman, the beautiful beast woman. <laughs> and but I think that really. Um, gives him a part of this this emotional need that he has consistently throughout the series of of needing validation um no he doesn't even need to be able to prove it to other people but if he can prove it to himself um and and see things with his own eyes and you know he wants to believe but now he actually right. can believe because he has seen it um so i liked that quite a bit i thought that was a, a pretty good balance um you know the emotional needs were more subtle especially for scully but not every yeah. episode could be all about the emotions. So at least they were there and, and interesting. Yeah, I pretty much agree. And I wasn't sure how much of that is outer goals versus emotional needs and how much was the mythology character development category. Yeah. But I, I also think. scored this one fairly high. All right. Uh, was there anything, anything else you want to add or do you want to give that score? Uh, I have nothing else to add. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Wow. All right. But I, I guess maybe... It should be like an 8 out of 10, and the other category would be an 8 out of 10. I don't know. I think it all works out to the same total. Yeah. I gave it I gave it an 8 out of 10 for this one. So on average, with those two categories, we both gave it the same. Eight. I gave it a 7 and a 9. You gave it an 8 and an 8. Oh, yeah, yeah. Seems all right. Yeah. All right. Um, so that brings us to the next subcategory within the writing umbrella, and that's going to be genre cliches and tropes. Uh, and so I kind of mentioned it a little bit already, but I liked that, um, like, it's definitely, like all the, particularly the earlier episodes of X-Files, it's very much so a, a procedural, um, but I like that it borrows from, um, like, like I was saying, like, like, I feel like Jaws meets the Jungle Book, and yet it's a procedural. Um, so I liked all the different kind of, um, uh, like, monster movie, yeah. or particularly like that. I don't know what subcategory Jaws would be. I feel like it's a very specific type of monster movie, but I can't quite put my finger on on a label. Um, but it did have that. And even the the opening scene, even though I wasn't thrilled with how it fit in with the rest of the episode, um, just having that like, you know, creepy 40s, um, you know, it almost felt in, in a good kind of way. It felt um, like, like the opening of a cliche horror movie, which I think fits yeah. in really well. because That's not really what the rest of the episode is, but it, it gives that that horror movie aspect 
to something that's not necessarily horror, you know, at least not as much as some of the other episodes. Um, so that's why I liked all just, you know, different ways it it borrowed from genres. Um, I thought it was very effective. Yeah. I don't really have anything to say about this subcategory. Hmm. It was fine. Met expectations. Five out of 10. Oh, that's it? Oh, I give it an 8.5 out of 10. All right. And then that brings us to the last uh, subcategory under the writing umbrella, which is going to be dialogue. Um, do you want to lead the way on this one since I keep saying everything apparently? <laughs> sure. So for dialogue, I liked that there was that classic Mulder Scully back and forth. Yeah. Uh, kind of flirtatious. Yeah. Um, that stood out in this episode, which makes sense because Scully's like trying to see other guys. and Yeah. Mulder's obsessed with work still i guess (laughs) yeah um there's not any like direct quotes that i remember but i did like it overall all right i I also liked the dialogue um definitely the the Mulder scully exchanges i love um like when he calls her from the jail and they have their little exchange i thought that was 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 charming and but felt realistic at the same time and and then when she you know bails him out of jail and they you know it's like, all right, you're going to get me some food first. I'm like, well, are you buying or am I here or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently it's not that memorable, but it was, it was charming. Yeah, she said something like, well, am I buying or are you going to go panhandle for money or something Yeah, like something that. like that. Um, so I liked all that. And, and I did really like the dialogue on, on her date scene where it was just like, yeah. he was just like a stereotypical, like, boring person that like yeah. can't stop talking about his divorce and his boring job. And she's like... You can tell, like, she wants to talk about this case so bad, and she just knows, like, he can't handle it. Like, she yeah. looks at his food, and she's like, I'm not going to talk about cannibalism while this guy's eating. I can't do right. that in front of everybody. Like, that's something I got to do with Mulder. Like, yeah, you know, he's like, no Mulder. Right. Um, so I liked the the dialogue there as well. Um, yeah, I feel like there were a few other things that stuck out. Um, I like the uh, dialogue of the secondary characters. I like the uh, um, police chief or whatever he was. He felt like a very like detective from the fifties or something. Even like his voice, yeah, and and what he was saying, and he was kind of a hard ass. Yeah, and he's like, I don't want you snooping around my business like that. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the uh, the professor guy was kind of like a hippie, kind of like, oh, people are destroying the the earth, and then the park ranger guy who's like yeah i've seen some shit and and i'm not gonna tell you what it is because my pension like yeah. <laughs> pension coming up i'm not gonna risk that right those i liked it yeah me too all right uh, anything else you want to add for dialogue or you want to give your score i gave it a seven out of ten all right exceeds expectations i gave it an 8.5 out of 10 i thought it was outstanding i i okay. liked the the exchanges All right, so my total for the writing category is going to average out to a 7.8 out of 10, which exceeds expectations for me. 7.8, okay. Mine came out to a perfect 7 out of 10. All right. Exceeds expectations. All right. So that's going to bring us to the second category, which is going to be the technical subcategories, Uh, the first of which is going to be acting and casting. Um, You want to take the lead on this one? Sure. So for acting and casting, I, like I said several times so far, thought that the secondary characters were all really good. I think they are all perfectly cast. So I gave it a pretty high score for this subcategory. All right. I also liked the the casting throughout. The only one that stood out, I know you just mentioned in the last category that you really liked him, but the... uh, the police chief just came off as a little too stereotypical for me. Um, like he, I mean, like I was saying, like I like kind of the the Jaws feel, but I just felt like they took that character like straight out of yeah, yeah, like specifically that movie, but really any kind of um, movie within that that genre, just that establishment. We don't care about people's safety; we care about money and tourism. Um, just felt a little bit too cliche. And some of that does come within the writing, but because I, I like kind of the the genre aspects, I didn't penalize it too much okay. in there. Um, but then just uh, a lot of it came from from just the the way he delivered lines and the way even just like his, his posture and the way he presented himself just seemed 
um, just very familiar. Um, not to the point, I didn't um, penalize the acting casting category too much for it. It was just something that I noticed that that kept it from from getting into that outstanding range for me. Um, so it's still, I gave it um, an 8 out of 10. So it still exceeded my expectations. I thought the casting was, was very solid throughout. Um, just not quite outstanding. Okay. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Oh, I thought for sure you weren't going to give it much higher. It went on and on for quite a while. Uh, maybe I should give it <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, so what characters were there? There was the police chief guy. There was this the professor guy. The park there ranger. There was the park ranger. There was Scully's the, date. There was yeah. Scully's friend. And, and the feral woman. The feral woman. That's about it. The homeless guy, I guess. Yeah. Briefly. Yeah, I think they were all... They were all pretty good. I'll, I'll give it a 9 out of 10. All right. Uh, so then that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be cinematography. Um, eventually, I'm going to have to get harsher in this category because <laughs> really, um, I didn't go back and check my scores for some of the other episodes, but I'm pretty sure they've all been um, in, the, in the outstanding, if not perfect, range. Um, but I couldn't help myself. I really thought the cinematography was was just gorgeous in this episode. And I still can't get over that. Like, this is episode five of a low-budget TV yeah. show on Fox, and it looks like a movie. Like, it is just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, when they go into the, the factory or whatever, and it's like the, oh, the yeah. mist coming in, and it's just perfectly yeah. well-lit. You see exactly what you need to see. Everything else is, like, perfectly in darkness. It's just such a... Such a good balance, and it just—it's just stunning. And I'm—I am a sucker for for mist or smoke in a room like that kind of thing. Like, yeah. give me a good noir any day. Like, that's—I don't like the plots for noirs that much, but I'll watch it just for the visuals. Um, so I mean, I am a sucker for it, but I really thought that that the cinematography was just gorgeous. Um, and like I said, eventually I'm gonna have to get more critical because. It's X-Files, like that's its its biggest strength in, in a lot. I mean, the writing's always good too, but everything's good. It's X-Files, yeah. but like, this is just, it's one category that I'm just like, but it just looks so good. So eventually right. it's going to have to be more of like, well, compared to other episodes, how does it hold up? Um, but regardless, for now, um, I gave it a 9.5 out of 10 because yeah. I just thought it looked, looked really gorgeous, especially the lighting. All right. That's uh, understandable. <laughs> right. I I thought pretty much the same thing. The uh, the forest stuff was all really great. I always loved the forest scenes. Oh yeah. Um, I gotta go to Canada and see the uh, forest of Vancouver. I guess yeah. these days. I really liked the the homeless area. Yeah. That looked good. Um, the factory, like you said, was an amazing location, and, and they oh, had yeah. the those beams of light and the fan in the background and all these yeah. little details everywhere. And that was really impressive. And then even mm -hmm. the indoor stuff, like in the police station and yeah, it was just neat to see that many different locations and they all looked really good. Yeah, I agree. But like you said, it's X-Files. So that's always going to be true. <laughs> yeah. So I gave it a seven out of 10 ex exceeds expectations. Fair enough. Otherwise everything would get a nine. Yeah. I know, eventually. I figure after season one, I'll start being more critical. I'll have a good baseline after the first season, maybe. Yeah. Um, I just now decided that, so we'll see if it actually holds up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the next subcategory under the technical umbrella, which is going to be the editing and the special effects. Um, this one, I, I might not really have anything to say about. It's one of those, those fine categories for me. Uh, is there anything you noticed? Nope, nothing stand out stood out at all. It met my expectations five out of ten. Me too. I also gave it a five out of ten. Um, the one thing that I noticed, I guess this is more, I don't really know what it would be under. Um, I guess maybe cinematography as far as like framing and directing type thing. I don't know. But uh, one, one, the only shot that really stood out as something that I didn't love was that when they're in the factory and there's the window and yeah. they jump out the window and then they're like, all of a sudden they turn into like... Captain America and Bucky and Cat in Civil War, where they're like jumping out windows <laughs> and rolling around, and I'm just like, "Are you action heroes now? What is happening?" Um, yeah, all I could think of with that was the uh, the beginning of the episode of The Office. <laughs> parkour. They're, yeah, they're jumping around. <laughs> parkour. Parkour. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought I I didn't really know where 
to knock it down. So I guess I kind of didn't really knock it down anywhere <laughs> for it because, um, I mean, yeah, that would really just be directing overall, which I don't have a category specifically for um, just because I feel like the director has influence over everything. Um, I guess maybe cinematography. Maybe I will knock down cinematography to a 9 out of 10 um, since that does fall under camera work a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um so I do feel like it, it should get knocked down somewhere. I just don't know where. So I am I'm gonna keep editing and special effects at a five and knock down cinematography to a nine, I suppose. Um because yeah, that was that was like the only thing as far as, you know, shots um within the episode that that I noticed that was kind of like, well, that was awkward and took me out of the scene. Like yeah. it was just so like like it was forgivable when it was just Mulder. Like it was kind of yeah. like like okay, I guess that's something he does from He's time to so time now. And... Yeah, and then when Scully followed him and did the exact same thing, it was like, for real? Like, you're, you're just superheroes now? I mean, Scully I need would look for a ladder or something. Right, it wasn't that high off the ground. I feel like you could have just jumped and landed on your feet. Like, or maybe it was higher up than it looked. I don't know. Anyway, um, so that was, like, the only thing I noticed within the technical categories, I guess. Um... All right, so we both gave it a 5 out of 10 for editing and special effects. Um, so that's going to move us to sound and music. Uh, you want to take the lead on this one? Sorry, I caught you mid beyond. Sure. Sound and music for this episode was classic X-Files. It's sort of like cinematography. It's just, it's classic X-Files. So you could give it a really high score, but that's kind of what I expect. So I gave it a 5 out of 10. Even really? though there was nothing wrong with it. But it, it was, was so much better than than what we've seen so far, or heard so far, I should say. I think the last two episodes didn't have any of that procedural synth. It got better the last two. I thought this one. Well, I don't want to like completely interrupt you. Do you have anything else you want to add? I mean, not that you can't add after I, I go on a rant, but. <laughs> don't think so. There was okay. Yeah, it was just the normal as far as music, which is good. It is good. Because I felt like the lot, like Squeeze and and Conduit was definitely uh, I talked about it a lot in those reviews. Like it's getting on the right track and starting to sound much more like classic X Files. And this was the first episode where, to me at least, like it definitely we kind of phased out the synth, thankfully very early on. Um, but it still felt a little bit um, not necessarily standard, but just not quite. Like it was still finding its footing in the last two episodes. And then with this one, I really felt like, okay, now we've got X-Files. Like, this was the first one that I felt. Like, it seemed like they were introducing new instruments that we hadn't heard before. There's, like, some sort of wind instrument. I'm I'm awful with instruments. I don't know what it was. Some sort of wood, woodwind instrument. Right, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, that that just seems very, um, very X-Files. And and we hadn't heard that at all. And so I feel like it's... That's true. You know, it's getting away from, from the more standard... TV scores and and finding its footing as like this is the kind of stuff we're gonna do from now on. Um, so I thought, even though I do agree that that like cinematography, this is gonna be a category that that along the line, somewhere along the line, is gonna be you know gonna have to start being more critical. I felt like this was the first one that really started to do things a little bit differently. So I gave I gave it a nine point five out of ten because I really thought that that it, it was it was. Uh, the first time that that it felt purely x-files yeah i forgot about that woodwind because I, I i noticed that as well it was the scene when Mulder was tackled by his uh beautiful beast woman <laughs> yeah i do remember that standing out as something that was new so i'll i'll bump it up to a seven out of ten all right and that's going to bring us to the last subcategory under the technical umbrella which is going to be aesthetics um, and this is one a lot a lot like what you were saying um, within within lighting. Like it's just, I mean, the attention to detail is is phenomenal, and the number of sets for and again like for such a low budget. I'm pretty sure it was a low budget, especially in the first season. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine it had a, a significant budget, um, and and to have like the number of sets and the number of details and and to have every episode look so distinct. Um, like it's really, really impressive. Um, so I definitely liked the um, the more environmental aesthetics of like the sets and props and locations, yeah. and then the Vancouver forests are you know 
like like smoke-filled rooms. I'm a sucker for the forest scenes. It's oh, yeah. always good. Um, and as far as the, it's 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 really hard for me with the more character aesthetics, which would be like the hair, makeup, and and costumes, because like like I have to constantly remind myself like this was 1993. It was 1993. <laughs> it was 1993. Like the scene where Scully's on a date. Oh, she's yeah. got like the shirt wasn't as bad as I remember. I definitely remember like oh man, Scully's date outfit is so 90s. And that didn't seem, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's got the floral, doily. it's got the lace, yeah, basically. It's a white doily. Yeah, it's not the best, but at least it's not like the brightly colored couch yeah, pattern, huge shoulder pads, like, it could be worse. Uh, but then the hair, like, it's not even that the hair was bad, it was just so not Scully. Um, it was like it was pulled up and trying to be fancy, but it wasn't like it still looked looked uh, like there were still stray hairs and yeah, it was still frizzy, frazzled. Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't seem to like. I don't know why she wouldn't just wear her hair down. It also seemed like that was way more hair than she like. Her hair was pretty short in the first season. Like, where did all that hair come from? Um, so it just seems. Like, I tried not to judge it for being 1993, but it did just seem a little out of character. But then we never really see her outside of work, so it's so hard to tell. I don't right. know. I, I might have been too hard in this category, but... Um, I think they do try to, like, exaggerate how outside of work she is. Yeah. Because she didn't look like that, like, at the birthday party. She looks normal. Yeah. Like, and she was even wearing clothes that weren't that different than what she would wear at work. Still very 90s. She had like that nice 90s leather Nelson Muntz vest almost. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but you know. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty close. Yeah. That was a good description. Yeah. Um, but that didn't bother me because I'm like, I feel like I like have pictures of my mom from that time period wearing like basically that same outfit. Like that was just a... She was just a civilian in 1993. Like, yeah, that didn't look... Standard mom attire. Yeah. But then that date outfit just seemed... I don't know. It just seemed out of place. Um, but yeah, so that was really the only thing within aesthetics. And I'm looking at the score now, and I think I was a little bit too harsh, because I kind of forgot how great the environmental aesthetics were. Um, I originally gave it a 6.5. I'm getting really finicky this this episode. I'm kind of changing several things. Um but I think a 6.5 is a little bit too harsh. I'm going to go 7.5 because the, the environmental aesthetics were really stunning. Um, it's just mostly mostly her hair and a little bit her her outfit for her date. Try yeah. not to be too mean because I know it's 1993, but I didn't. it just felt out of character. Anyways, I'm repeating myself. Um, so I'll, I'll give it a 7.5 out of 10 for aesthetics. Okay. I agree as usual. <laughs> Uh, I didn't give it, I didn't, uh, remove points for Scully looking like she does. <laughs> um, part of that's cause it's the early nineties. Part of it's cause she probably doesn't go on dates very often. <laughs> that's true. So she's probably mm. like, this is the most expensive shirt I own. I guess this is the fancy date shirt. Yeah. Or, or I bet it's one of those things that's like dry clean only. And so she's <laughs> like, oh, yeah. that means it's fancy. <laughs> That'll impress him. So I gave it a seven out of 10. All right. Uh, so what was your total for the technical categories? Total for the technical uh, was a 7.0, just like the total for writing. My total was a 7.8, which was exactly my total for writing. Wow. That is strange. All right. Now, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be memorability. Um, and this one, we kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning. It's one that, like, I remember the overall premise and there are a few scenes here and there that stand out um but it's kind of a for for as much like for for as many good things as i had to say about it it's kind of a forgettable episode overall and i'm not entirely sure why um because like i remember i remember scully's date but i never remember that it's in this episode it's one of the, like every time i watch yeah. this episode i'm like oh yeah this is the one with scully's awkward date <laughs> like <laughs> and then and i remember the scene where where he sees the beast woman his beautiful beast woman yeah. um like that scene's memorable so i remember that and that's about it even the opening scene which seems like it should be really memorable yeah. i i almost all like i'm like 
is this the 40s? Like, does does this episode start in the 40s? What is happening? Okay. I mean, not what is happening. I wasn't that confused. It was just, I had no memory of it. Um, and I felt like there were a lot of parts in the episode where I'm like, for as many times as I've seen this episode, I feel like I should remember it much more. Um, so I only gave it, I gave it a 6 out of 10. I didn't give it lower because there was enough that I that I do have a pretty good memory of. Um, even if I couldn't like pinpoint which episode it was before that, like the date, like I right. had a pretty strong, like I could even remember the outfit and like what she looked like. <laughs> like that was just for whatever reason stuck in my mind. Um, and you know, a few things. And there were even a few lines of that, like the, you know, 8,000 or 8,000, 8, 8 million years out of Africa and look who's holding the door. Like for yeah. some reason that exchange is, is quite memorable, even though it's not the most clever within uh the x-files verse but it's still i don't know it's i don't know so i gave it a six out of ten for all those reasons i like i said earlier i do remember this episode part of that's just because i've seen it at least half a dozen times probably more yeah wouldn't be surprised if i've seen it ten times yeah same here and i do remember certain scenes um but at the same time it's like if i sat down and thought about like the most memorable episodes, I don't think this would be near the top of the list. No, not even not even middle of the list, probably. Yeah. So for me, uh, you know, kind of balance all those things out. I gave it a five out of ten. Meets expectations. That's fair. All right. Uh, so that brings us to the last category, which is going to be overall enjoyment. Uh, you want to take the lead on this one? Sure. Uh, <laughs> so this episode's kind of strange for me for overall enjoyment. Because there's nothing that's really like mind blowing. There's no, yeah. and there's nothing that's that like contributes to the overall mythology. And it doesn't really introduce like anything totally new and crazy. And it's not super funny. Yeah. Um, but it's a fine episode. It's decent. Okay. Uh, it's sort of like a Bigfoot thing. And I, I'm used to read a lot of like, like those books about like ancient civilizations and I guess a lot of stuff Mulder would read. <laughs> like I read books about ghosts and, sure. and uh, you know, ESP and all, all these things that people believe. Uh, never really believed it that much, but it's kind of, it's just fun. Sure. You know, I want to believe, I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I want to believe, but I thought it was interesting enough. And this sure. is kind of that. It's like a Bigfoot, you know, what a Bigfoot was real and, outside of atlantic city or whatever i guess (laughs) so that was a long rambly way of saying that it's not the most enjoyable it's not the least enjoyable it's about a five out of ten all right expectations so i agree with a lot of what you're saying Um, i give it a little bit of a higher score than you um mostly because i i the older i get i think the more interested i am in the in the characters like as as a kid Okay. But like the the monster of the week, so like I think I'm one of the only people where I'm like I am all about the monster of the week episodes, mythology episodes. Yeah, they're kind of fun, but like I, I I don't know. I think it has to do with the, with the age I was when I started watching it because I was so young and, and this was before DVRs and stuff and before Netflix. So you'd watch it week to week and you forget what happens with the mythology. And, oh, and I think yeah. it was a little harder for me to to follow some of the bigger ideas. So I was definitely like. Like, oh, yeah, give me those Monster of the Weeks. Like, I was right. I was all about it. Um, so I, I do I do like the Monster of the Week episodes, but the older I get, the more I'm like, I just want to know as much as possible about these characters. Like, they're just, they're interesting people, and, and the way they work together is interesting. And to go back to the beginning and, and see the beginning of their their friendship and their and their work relationship and just the the decisions they make in life and and through their career and and how they get from from point a to point b um it's just interesting to me um so i do enjoy it from just from that the character development perspective of like like oh scully going on a date that's interesting to me like it's it's a it's a very small part of the plot but it's interesting. Um, so I, I did enjoy that more than I more than I thought I would. Because I remember this episode as just being like, oh yeah, it's a monster of the week, and, right. and not one of the better ones. <laughs> you know, like yeah. in all honesty, it's just not one of the better monsters. It's not Squeeze for sure, um, which is the best one we've had so far. But um, yeah, so it definitely um, caught me a little off guard with how much I enjoyed the characters, and then even within the monster of the week, even though it's not one of the better ones. Um, I did, uh, similar to what you were saying with, with, you know, reading 
about like ancient civilizations and and things like that. I was very not so much when I was younger, but more more recently, um, I've gotten very into um, learning about about feral people and reading all the different accounts. I oh, yeah. on multiple occasions I'll just get stuck in like a, a Wikipedia hole where I'm like <laughs> like what's this? Oh, I haven't read this one. Oh, let me refresh my memory about this story. And there's I just I mean it's really tragic like what happens to these people because yeah. I mean it's 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 just tragic. I don't know how else to put it. But it's so fascinating. And for, I, I tried to study um, neurobiology for a while and I'm not good at math. So that went nowhere. But from the more psychological aspect of of like reading case studies and things like that, like it's just it's so fascinating. And I still still find it fascinating. So from that perspective, I thought this episode was was kind of interesting as well, um, just because because I think it's it's interesting. Um so, so for those two reasons, that was kind of a long explanation, but I gave it a, a 7.5 out of 10 okay. for overall enjoyment, which was much higher than I thought I was going to give it. Like, cause, cause like I said, it's not a very memorable episode. So I was expecting to go into it being like, well, if it's not that memorable, it's probably not that good. Cause like I've seen it right. so many times. Um, so I do think it's interesting and I think it will be a little bit more memorable for me going forward. Cause like I said, the older I get, the more interested I am in in things like like character studies or looking at things through the perspective of like well like what is human behavior and, and how does that play as opposed to like the more paranormal aspects right because um, this really isn't much of a paranormal episode right. uh, i mean it could be i mean it does have like aspects of folklore and things like that but it really you know it's not like these are are alien human hybrids living wild in the woods or something you know like the it's, and it's not bigfoot you know they're right. they're people who who for whatever reason um and for however long have just been living feral in the woods um which i just find interesting like i want to know i want to know more about that like how did this start how big is the gene pool like how long can they possibly last like i i'm just interested in that um so for all of those reasons, I did find it interesting and, and enjoyable. So 7.5 out of 10. Sorry, I'm, I'm really rambling now. But that was my rating for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that brings us to extra credit. Did you give the Jersey Devil any extra credit? I gave this episode three points. Wow, for three okay. different reasons. Okay. One of them I have avoided talking about this whole time. <laughs> all right. I was saving it for last. So all right, let's hear it. Three points of extra credit. One point for seeing Scully have a life. All right. Uh, that was just interesting. Outside of work, uh, she's at the party with the kids and trying to date. Trying to date. <laughs> <laughs> well, pretty accurately sums it up, though. Uh, I guess that was more his failure than her failure. I was going to say, I do think it's kind of interesting because usually the, the stereotype is that like all these... You know, like, she would be the one who couldn't stop talking about work. And then he's like, like, oh, why are you on a date? It sounds like you should be at work with Mulder. But instead it was her having that realization of, like, well, I'm bored by yeah. him. I should be, you know, I should be at work with Mulder or, you know, whatever. Or at least not there with him. Yeah. Um, him being whoever, whatever his name was. Yeah, he, did, he didn't even need a Scott's, name. Scott's dad. Yeah, Scott's <laughs> dad. Yeah. So that was, that was fun to see that and interesting. I give it a point for that. All right. Uh, I give it a second point for some reason I did not write down. Uh, I'm going to remove that. So aw. it only gets two points of extra credit. Okay. And then the second point of extra credit, <laughs> the real second point, <laughs> is for the drawing of the Beast Woman. <laughs> it is just, it's so funny. It looks like like a 10-year-old drew it. Like it would yeah. be on someone's refrigerator. <laughs> and and everyone's treating it like it's like proof. <laughs> Right? Like the, the homeless guy's trying to show it to Mulder. And he's like, oh, I found this in some guy's coat jacket. And then Mulder sees it. And it's like, whoa, this is real. Oh, my God. And then he even tries to use it as evidence when he's talking to the police chief. He's like, it's out there. Look, this is definitive proof. And it's it's just the goofiest looking drawing. Yeah. It's like this awkward, stilted person beast thing. And yeah. it's just. It's just so funny that everyone's taking it, everyone's treating it so seriously, like it's yeah. like it's photographic evidence, <laughs> like it's a DNA sample or something. Yeah. And it's just this, it looks like something that would be on someone's refrigerator. Yeah. It's so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. So it gets, definitely gets a point of extra credit for that. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I did not give this episode any extra credit. 
Uh, I feel like there were a couple things that I considered, but even for me, it was a little too double dippy um, in the things that we've already talked about. So um, yeah, I thought about giving it an extra credit point for for introducing Mulder's obsession with porn, but yeah. I feel like that was pretty well covered in, in character. So I decided against it. Um, so I, I didn't I didn't come up with anything. Okay. You didn't think of what that third thing was? I did not. All right. Um, I'm just thinking about that drawing. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what was your total score for the Jersey Devil? The total score was a 62. Which, Pretty if low. I were to think about this episode, I'd say it's about a 6 or a 7 out of 10. Okay. So it it's a little low. Seems like it would be maybe it's a 70. Bad. Yeah. But uh, it seems about right. I guess that does seem about right. I gave um, it a, a 72.75 uh, for my total score, which does exceed my expectations. And I think the biggest reason why um, just comes to all of the, the character aspects that we get. I guess character yeah. development. Um, and just, just seeing Scully outside of work, like you were saying, and, and seeing the contrast between Mulder and Scully and, cause really, I mean, Mulder wasn't technically at work when he was in, uh, Jersey City or not Jersey City, yeah. uh, Atlantic City. Um, so just the contrast of how they spend their time and what they want to do, um, was just really interesting to me. So it, it, <laughs> she's going on a date and he's like trading houses with a homeless man. Yep. That's, so that's the life. Naked beast lady. Yep. Um, so yeah, I was expecting this, this episode to get closer to a 50 or a 60. Yeah. Um, but, but all of the character stuff really kind of took me off guard in a lot of ways. Cause I just didn't remember it. Um, I think because it wasn't my primary focus when I first started watching the X-Files and you know, I was more about, paranormal stuff that's interesting and and monster of the week and uh you know the more paranormal monster of the week right. uh, and this is is not really a paranormal story it's it's just it's just a story <laughs> like it's just it's yeah. just it's just a procedural that happens to be a little on the weird side um which i also kind of appreciate um the deviation i don't know it's especially for being such an early episode i think it has um it, it should be a little bit more memorable probably and i think it's um possibly at least a little bit of an underrated episode i'm not gonna say it's like severely underrated or anything because because right. both of us have seen it like 10 times and didn't have that much of a memory of it so there's obviously something lacking there um no matter how you look at it um but i definitely at least at least for me personally i can say i think it, it has been underrated for me in the past because i i got more out of it than i thought i would and and i really enjoyed it um or at least i enjoyed it 72.75 percent <laughs> or however you want to interpret that um yeah so that was my total score uh, is there anything else you would like to add about the jersey devil before we wrap it up uh if you haven't seen it you gotta look for a picture of that drawing <laughs> yeah i, would I, I think that. that's actually the uh the thumbnail if you go to uh, uh imdb for this episode <laughs> probably because it's just that good all right, well, I guess that about wraps it up. So this has been our discussion of The X-Files, Season 1, Episode 5, The Jersey Devil, which means that next week on Sunday we'll be reviewing Season 1, Episode 6, Shadows. So we will see you then. In the meantime, if you're interested in learning how to support Gritty Films, you can check out um, our Patreon account over at patreon.com slash grittyfilms. It's going to be Gritty Films, spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y, Films. Um, and I think that is about it. Uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye.